a new month and we're talking about purpose and our calling. And um, this is kind of a, a, a subject that you feel like people already know about because we all, you wake up and you, you know you have purpose. If you have life and breath, you've been given a purpose by God. But I think sometimes it's important to zero in on what our particular purpose and our particular calling is so that we can uh, be faithful to fulfill what God has called us to do. And I was, I was looking at the Bible and, and thinking about some of the prophets and some of the people. I thought that the prophet Nehemiah gives us a wonderful example of how to uncover our purpose. Because all of the things that he did are, are you don't want to use the word steps, but I'll use the word steps, are steps that we take when we uh, move forward in that line of trying to see God's face and what he wants for us. So let's, we're going to look at the book of Nehemiah. But before we start, he was a prophet and he was a captive. He was, actually had a job for a king and his job was to eat the food, taste the food and drink the wine that the king had. He was called the king's cupbearer. Now, Nehemiah had a job. It was an important job. It would have been sort of like the equivalent of a, a bodyguard for the, or secret service for the president today. It was that important. So he had the fun job of tasting all the best food in the land and drinking the best wines in the land. But he also, if someone, if he had an enemy and that food was poison, he would be the first one to get it. So it was kind of one of those jobs, but it was a job, but it wasn't his calling. It wasn't his purpose that God had him for being on this earth. Now, sometimes our jobs are our callings. And some people believe, and, and rightly so, that the, that the work they've been given to do is what God has put them on this earth to do. And that's a wonderful thing. And then there are those of us that know that sometimes the job that we do is not our calling. It's not the thing that, that gets us excited, that gets us up in the morning, but we do it because we do it to take care of our families, to uh, provide work for other people. We do that because that's what we do for a vocation, but we don't really feel like that's our calling. Now, we know that everything we put our hand to, if we give it to the glory of God, if we do it to God's glory, that gives him honor. But then there's that place in our life where we feel like, is there something special that God has called me to do? And I think one of the, the difficult things about finding your specific purpose is it's very hard to be yourself. It's very hard to be uniquely who God created you to be. It's very easy to, to look at great things that people have done and, uh, you know, people that have started great missionary endeavors in Africa or, or people here in this country that, that send people over to get clean water and these, these worldwide great, great purposes. And we look at that and we think, well, I, you know, I just, I just go over and help the widow next door. Or we've just invited an orphan into our home. And we, we, we don't think the things that we do are as specific, as spectacular as these other things. And so we don't, if we don't see how God created us unique, and we try to copy other people's gifting, we try to co-op other people's talent, we're never going to be who God called us to be. So, so as we think about purpose this month, in the back of your mind all this month, I want you to remember that God has called you to be you, to use the giftings that he has placed in your heart, the talents that he has given you, the, the leanings and the yearnings that you have to fulfill in this earth are unique to you, and not to overlook those because you're starting at a small place, at a small beginning. 
So let's look at how a calling, a purpose comes about. We start with passion. Now, someone that, like me, I'm a third born, I'm a middle child, and I know birth order is somewhat puts you in a box, but there are some traits that are, are, are reality. We know that youngest borns typically are the life of the party, and we all know they're the most spoiled, right? We all know that the oldest borns are usually bossy and try to tell you what to do right. So there are some things that, I mean, kind of go along those lines. And middle children are not normally known for passionate personalities, for fiery personalities. We're more like oh, live and let live. We're great mediators. We're great people that can, that can mediate between a conflict because that's what we've done all of our lives with our siblings. And so when, when I say passion is the first ingredient that we look for when we find our calling or our unique purpose that God has for us. I don't mean your personality has to be a certain way. And thank God for that because I would be disqualified. It means that there is something that you have a burden for, something that might be unique to you. Um, but, but we're gonna see how, how Nehemiah sorted that out. Let's start. Now he, as I told you, was in a foreign land and he was a cupbearer, but, and he, he was happy doing that. I mean, that's where, that's where he was. He, he had no way to get home. That's what happened. But all of a sudden, one day, something changed. So the men that were his friends came and talked to him. He said, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. This is in Jerusalem, outside Jerusalem. Now, you never want to have a conversation start with, Things are not going well. As an employer, you don't want to hear things are not going well in sales. As a spouse, you don't want to hear things are not going well in our relationship. You just, that's just not one thing you want to hear. But these men came to Nehemiah and said, you know what? Things are not going well for our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Now that we're thinking, what does that have to do with the with the century we're living in. Now it's interesting because Nehemiah lived in the same century as Socrates and Plato. So that's the, that's the time frame that we're looking at here. But the, the people in Jerusalem did not feel safe because they didn't have a wall. The wall had been torn down and they didn't feel safe to worship God. They didn't feel safe to do their commerce because the wall had been broken and burned. When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. Now, this was a seminal moment for Nehemiah. This was his wake-up call. This was the moment that God touched his heart and said, this is my call on your life. And how he responded was, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, a lot of times we see things like perhaps on the news or social media or whatever, and we get really upset, we get really agitated, and we'll do a flurry of social media posts, we'll tweet something, we'll post something, whatever, and then we forget about it. Then the next event comes up and the next big thing passes. That's not a burden, that's not a calling from God, that's just us being upset. That's just us getting agitated. A, a, a purpose and a destiny and a calling from God does not leave us so easily. If you can roll over and go to sleep and the next day you wake up and you forget all about what you were so bothered about the day before, that's not a burden from God. If you can pawn it off on somebody else to do, that's not a burden from God. Our 
purpose is something that we need to do. The burden will be for us and it will be for us to do something. You'll discover your assignment from God when you stop and you think, what, what burdens me? What concerns me? For Nehemiah, he was going about his day. He was going about, you know, drinking, living dangerously, drinking food and, and uh, drinking drinks and eating food. But then one day he heard a word and that word forever changed him. For me, uh, for some of the ladies in this church, it was something that we saw. Most of you know these girls, whether or not girls are all young mothers now. About 15 years ago, these three young women, they all had groups of women that they were discipling. They were, and that basically means you're pouring time into the people, you're listening to them, you're praying for them, you're helping them, you're walking alongside them through their problems. That's all discipling means. It's not some weird thing where you have to do something strange. It means we are sharing our life with you and you're sharing your life with us. And that's what these women were busy doing. And they did this for, I don't know, five, six years. And all along the time, they each had their own group of women that they were discipling, that they were mentoring, if you feel more comfortable with that word, that they were walking, doing life with, walking alongside these girls. But they started coming to me with the same comments, the same observations about women of every age. And they were mentoring women from you know, like 12, 13, 14, 15, all the way up into their 20s. And they were hearing the same thing, things about how they felt about themselves, things about how they felt that their opinions were not listened to, all kinds of things about, and we, we throw that word self-image around like it has no meaning anymore. But these were real issues for these girls. And I would listen to them, oh, that's, 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 that's a horrible problem. No, that's terrible. And you know, you emphasize, empathize, and you do the things that we do. We smile and we shake our heads and we, hmm, <laughs> Then one day, they had been doing this for, I don't know, like eight years or something, just faithfully, week in, week out, praying with girls, listening to them, sharing the word with them, sharing their lives with them. And finally, one day, I'm reading through this Christian blog and I saw a picture and I, I didn't put the picture up here because I didn't wanna say that this would be a PG-13 because we have some children that stay in here. But it was, it, it, like Nehemiah heard a word, I saw a picture, a real picture, not a picture in my mind, a picture on the blog, and it, it struck me the way that word struck Nehemiah. So all the things these girls have been telling me for the last five, six years, I'm you know, empathizing, how can I help? You know, like, that, that, I'm not really gonna do anything, but how can I help you kind of thing? Um, and I saw this picture of this young girl. She was about 10 years old, maybe 11. The typical of all American, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, just athletic. But she had written things about herself across the picture. I thought, how can this be? How can this be that someone that looks like that would still see a picture of herself that looks so totally different? And it struck me by seeing something the way Nehemiah was struck by hearing something. And I thought, you know what? If this girl, with all of the help that she has, all the things, all of the programs that schools offer, all of the things that we say, if this girl isn't getting it, the women of our, of our society aren't getting it. Programs aren't helping, we need something else. And I began to have a burden. And much like Nehemiah, with these young mentors, I began to weep. 
and begin to think, Lord, there has to be something that we can do. So the Lord said, okay, take this experience that you're giving these girls and take it outside the walls of this church. And that's kind of a scary thing if you've not done that before, but that's exactly what they did. They started having, you all know, because you all support the lovely experience. You all help, you all usher and, and, and make packs and, and thank you packets and all those things. And we started having 100 girls and 200 girls and then 300 girls. And we had to have security men walking around the periphery guarding these young girls. And finally we said, okay, we're gonna have to cap it until we get our new building. Yes. My goal is 500 at one shot. That's my goal. But we had to cap it because these young girls are hungry for someone to say, your life is valuable. You are worth more than the sum of your parts. Society cannot help these girls. They just cannot do it. They have to have a revelation that they were created in God's image and that they have value. And this is what these young women were imparting to these girls. So we took it outside the gates of our church. We opened it up for the city, and now we also have lots of mentors. These are the mentors that were the first ones on the ground. Now we need more mentors, so we're always looking for good mentors. But this came from a burden that God gave these young women. That burden grew, and that burden grew. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. You have a passion. Nehemiah heard something. These women saw something, and that's where fulfilling a destiny that God has for you begins. At some point in time, God has to get your attention because he, if we're walking with God on, a, on a, a close basis, a regular basis, an intimate basis, we will hear and see what God sees. And if your entire life is spent about you, what you need, what your needs are. How can I get ahead? How can I, if your entire life is spent on that, may I respectfully submit? You're not walking with the Father because he weeps for the children of our society. He weeps for these girls that are committing suicide. He weeps for these girls that are cutting themselves, that are doing all sorts of things because that's what they think it takes to get someone to pay attention. So when, as we get close to God, he will give us a burden for things that are important to him. That's what Nehemiah did. He heard something. The next thing is God will bring opportunities, possibilities, something that you yourself might not see coming. The king asked, how can I help you? This is very unusual for an employer to say to his employee, what can I do to help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, he threw up a prayer. He said, if it pleased the king and if you are pleased with me. That just kind of strikes me because how many employees can say to their boss, if you're pleased with how I work, how hard I work. If you're pleased with the attitude I come to work with every day. If you're pleased with how I am serving this company. If you are pleased with what I'm doing. This man could say that to the king. If you're pleased that I bring my best to work every day, then listen. If it please the king and you are pleased with me, send me to Judea to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Of course, he was referring to Jerusalem. The king asked, how long will you be gone? 
When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. God gave Nehemiah an opportunity, and he was prepared, and he took it. He walked through that open door. This is the part that I needed to repent from because when we started Lovely, well, the girls had already been starting, but when I got involved, we were told over and over and over again, this is such a wonderful thing that you're doing, but you know you're not going to get into public schools, right? You know, they have a glut of, of programs that try to get in. They have a long waiting list of programs that are, that are wanting to get into the public schools. And this is such a nice thing that you're doing, but you're not going to get into the public schools. Well, truthfully, it hadn't even occurred to me to get into the public schools. But after a person, after a person told me, you're not going to get into the public schools, I, this is what I have to repent for, I never even asked to get into the public schools. Never occurred to me to even try. Because I've been told over and over, you're not going to get into public schools. And so one day, we're, we're faithfully serving God and, and doing what's around us to do, opening it up to the city, to the community. One day we get a call from Wheatley Elementary. And if you know where Wheatley is, it's in the poorest part of Apopka. And these little girls, if you want something that will break your heart, go serve these young girls at Wheatley Elementary. The principal called and said, we heard that you have, a, I don't know what to call it, it's a program, it's an experience, but it's for young girls and our girls, I'm acting like this is the telephone, so sorry, I don't know what I'm doing this for, but would you please come to our school? And honestly, it caught me off guard because I wasn't even, that wasn't even in my, maybe that's a middle child thing, that wasn't even in my heart to dream about. But quickly, I, I'm, a, I'm an early adapter, and I quickly adjusted, we'll be happy to come. We'll be ha so we're scrambling around trying to, you know, change the curriculum to, to, to appeal to young girls, and it's quite often the very same stuff, just with different activities. And then another school called, and then a third school called and said, you know, we've heard what you're doing at Wheatley, we've heard what you're doing at Lake Jim, and we want you to come here too. And then a middle school called, Wolf Lake Middle, you know, we've heard what you're doing in the elementary schools, and we, these middle school girls, they really, 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 really need it too. And so God just opened up opportunity after opportunity, and the possibilities were endless, not because of my great faith, but because God had placed the burden on our hearts, and what he decrees what he wants to happen, you can bet it's going to take place if you are willing. If you're willing, say, Lord, here I am, send me, use me. I don't know what the heck we're doing, but we know what needs these girls have. We know what a powerful God we serve. We know what a mighty God we serve, and we know that you are able. And he opened door after door after door. The possibilities that God will do for you if you take that first step and say, I, I have a burden for this and I, I can't shake it. I can't shake it. I see what the, these orphans need. I see, I, I look at Eric and I'm reminded of what they do, the amazing work they do in children's church. They take the theme for the month and they transform children's church into a wonderland that goes along with the theme. It's amazing. It's a burden that they shared and they shared that burden. They have a team that goes over and serves your children. It's amazing. The next thing I noticed that Nehemiah had was provision. I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, man, he was respectful. 
Let me have letters addressed to the governors of the provinces west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on the way to Judah. This was quite an undertaking. It's basically asking for passports or visas to go through every region that he was going to need to travel. So he was prepared. He was ready with his big ask, but he knew what he was asking. He was prepared. Please give me a letter addressed to the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates, for the city walls, and a house for myself. I love that because that tells me when I'm serving God, I don't have to live in a tent somewhere. It might, have, it might come to that, but God will provide when he's guiding you. The king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. You can ask that the gracious hand of God be upon what you, the work of your hands, what you put your hand to when you are fulfilling a burden that God has placed on your heart that's addressing the need that he is weeping over. You don't think he'll provide for you if you are, if you are touching the things that he is weeping over that makes him sad and you're saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something about that. I feel, God, what you're feeling for these girls. I feel, God, what you're feeling for these orphans. I feel, God, what you're feeling for my neighborhood, for the school. I feel it. You don't think God will provide where he's guiding you to go? He will. He will. The king granted these requests because of the gracious hand. And the king, I should add, sent along several army officers and horsemen to protect me. This is a miracle. Because first of all, Nehemiah knew what he was asking for. He didn't just go, well, I don't know what I'm gonna need. What do you think I'm gonna need? I don't know what I'm, where, how long I'm gonna be gone. How long do you think I'm gonna be gone? He had thought about the request he was gonna make to the king. And you know what? That honored the king because he wasn't wasting the king's time and he wasn't wasting the king's resources. And the king, for good measure, says, you know what? I'm gonna send an army along with you and horsemen to protect you as you go. See, God wants to do something so amazing through you that people will see God's glory in it. That's what he wants to do through us. That's the burden that he'll give us, that he'll fulfill in us through our community. He got wood for the gates, wood for the timbers, wood for the houses, an army to protect him, passports for state passage. That is God's hand. That is God's blessing. One of the things that God provides are connections. Connections. Sometimes we think, well, I don't even know who to ask. I don't even know. And it's interesting that Nehemiah didn't even leave the king's palace until he had all the things that he needed for the journey. Now, someone here needs to hear that. Because a lot of times we, and this isn't a wrong thing either, we'll take a step of faith, believe that God will provide that next open door, and there's nothing wrong with that. We've done many things that way, and it's turned out well. But Nehemiah chose to have everything, I don't know what, where he was in the birth order or what his gifting was, but management must have been somewhere in the mix because he knew exactly what he needed, and he did not leave the security of the palace until he had everything that he needed of course, that's a, a biblical because it says count the cost. Count the cost before you start any kind of production. 
Okay, so we're gonna end with the two kinds of people that you will encounter when you get a burden from God. You might not have one right now, and that's okay. You might get one next year, in two years. And remember that things are seasonal. Don't think I have a purpose from God. Here's my purpose, I'll give you mine. This is free, you don't have to pay extra for this. My purpose is to live a life that glorifies God through my talent, through my gifting, through everything. But in each season, I reevaluate, okay, God, how do I serve you in this season? Maybe you're in a season of preparation and you're best serving God by preparing for what he's calling you to do, by preparing to provide for a family, by preparing. Maybe you're in a season where you're, you have lots of children that you're caring for or your, your time is spent with, with other things. You have to reevaluate each season. God, how do I serve you? What is my purpose for this season? I think sometimes if we take a purpose like it's your whole life, it's, it's overwhelming. And it's also not, not necessarily true. All right, the haters. But when Sanballat and Tobiah, the official, heard of my arrival, heard of Nehemiah coming, they were displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. What? Think, who would be upset that you're coming to help? Let me tell you, <laughs> they're out there. They're out there. So let me finish this. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that, they were, they were, that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage. That must have been lovely. And mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build this wall in a single day? Sorry. By just offering a few sacrifices, they're basically saying, you're just gonna say a few prayers and think God's gonna, gonna do all this for you? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Now, God will use people to let you know you're going in the right direction, but some of those people will be, what is it, Mr. Matusak? Haters, they're gonna be haters. When we first started this church, we had a group of people that started saying, why, who are these, who do they think they are starting a church? They have no reputation, that was true, except a good one, but not known. They have no money, they have no influence, that was all true, 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 true. But we knew God had told us what he wanted us to do. So the haters come and the haters go. But it does not affect the purpose that God has called us to. When we get busy, and we're not going into it in Nehemiah because we don't have the time, but people kept coming and, and throwing verbal stones at them. And at one point, Nehemiah said, you know what? I'm not coming down off this wall to answer your lies, to address, to get into a verbal argument with you about why we're doing what we're doing. I'm not coming down off the wall because when I try to chase down the origin of all these lies, I'm not getting my work done. So I'm not coming down off the wall. We're not stopping building the church. We're not stopping doing what God's called us to do because you don't like it. And God says in Psalms, I will stop the mouths of those who lie. Because there was a time when I thought, I gotta chase down where this lie started. Cole, did this lie? No, I'm just kidding, of course it didn't. <laughs> but you know, you feel like you gotta, where did it start? Who told you that? Now, who told you that? And it's just, oh man, it's like a spider web that grows. It's, it's horrible. And God said, quit trying to track down the lies. Get back on the wall and do what I've called you to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. About 15 years ago, we had like three or four families that left in mass. They were upset. 
with something, who knows? But they started calling people in the church, telling them what they did not like about the leadership of Northwest. Had they called me, I could have given them more things to not like about Northwest because I know what's in my heart. I know I'm not perfect. I could have given them a whole other list of things to be upset with, but they didn't call me. But you just think, Lord, get back up on the wall. We're still here. We're still growing. We're still getting people saved. We're still discipling. We're still going into the city and making a difference. We're still here, haters. Yes. There we go. All right. The helpers. The helpers. So I arrived in Jerusalem three days later. I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. Don't you love it when friends go with you? You just need a few. You just need one, two, three people to stand with you, to link arms with you, to say, we can do this. We can do this. The lovely project started with three. Three girls have said, we can do this. Man, we see the need. We see God weeping and weeping. We can do this. It just takes a few. But now I told them, because they went out into the city and they saw all the work that had to be done. The city, the walls were in, were in rubble and dis, disarray. Okay, now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. There was real work. The problems are real. We don't have to imagine them. There are real problems. And this city had a real problem. They were not safe and they were not worshiping God because there were no, there were no walls of protection. Jerusalem lies in ruin. Its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work and said, alas, the wall was completed. Now in chapter 12, it talks about the total completion of the wall. It was completed in 53 days. That was a miracle. You had no machines, only brute strength and, you know, mush, people, mush. Anyway, I think about the importance of helpers in fulfilling the call that God has for you. I know there's a song that we sing. Um, I can't remember the last time we sing it, but it's a beautiful melody that talks about all I, you know, I, I, I don't need anybody else but God. But that's not, it's a beautiful melody, but it's bad theology because we, the Bible never teaches that we don't, oh, we only just need God. It teaches that we need each other. In fact, we are created to need one another. And so when, when people link arms with us, form teams, things happen. And if you have a personality that likes to help, likes to come alongside and assist, thank God for you. Thank God for you because these things cannot get done without people. They might not have had the initial vision, but now they've got it. And all they wanna do is come alongside and work enthusiastically to see this vision accomplished, to see this purpose come to pass. Now, if you don't have anyone to help you, you don't have any resources, and you don't have any opportunities, may I submit respectfully again that you might not be either the person or might not be the right time. Because when God places a burden in your life, He will provide for that. He will open doors for you. And He will send along people that will help you. Amen? Amen.